0: everybody. Thank you for joining us here for a Democrat and a Republican in a bar. We are at our favorite location, Ollie's Pub and Records in Cape Coral. Thanks for hosting us.
1: Excellent. I'm your Republican, Sean Hartman.
0: And I'm your Democrat, Cindy Banyer. And we do have some folks in the crowd. Thanks for joining us here. Um, and thanks for Ollie's and all the po- folks who've been showing love to our sponsor organization as um, they have had, you know, some summer troubles like many organizations here in Southwest Florida because we're very reliant on the tourism dollars. Mm-hmm. So thanks for coming out and supporting Ollie's. And I
1: did find out just earlier today they are closing in into their $10,000 goal on the the Ollie's fund. So we'll put a link, of course, in the comments and in the um and our descriptions and the YouTubes and the podcasts, all that type of stuff. So that way, excuse me, if you want to enjoying the libations. I'm enjoying the drinks exactly. <laughs> um, if you if you want to uh, uh, send some money and and bring them across the finish line, of course, we'd of course greatly appreciate it. Here in Cape Coral, he's a wonderful staple to our community, and we're happy to support them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Check out they have some upcoming punk shows. Mm-hmm. Green Jelly, who's like the punk stable from when I was in high school. Uh, Also other live acts here. So definitely check them out. So we're going to dive in first. It's been a big week in politics for Florida and the nation around the Supreme court decisions, actually the end of term for the Supreme court. So all of their decisions for this session have come out and also July 1st, all of the bills that were signed in this year's Florida legislature came into being so, we'll talk about those issues today.
1: Yeah, a lot, lot of stuff to talk talk about, and it's been a busy week. It's been a busy week for me as well. Um, I do want to mention. Uh, earlier uh, this week I was asked to serve as the communications chair for the Lee County GOP. Uh, Very excited to be asked that I do have to be officially appointed. I do have to say that anything I say here is not representative of the Lee County GOP. It's my individual thoughts. I have to say that disclaimer now, I guess, but um, very, it was a very interesting week. There was a lot of stuff going on on Tuesday. We actually had uh, Jonathan Martin at the Cape Coral uh, Republican club. And then we had the Southwest Florida young Republicans, which elected its new board, uh, so it's it was a busy week in local Republican politics down here. I don't know about you. You've you've seen Well, the we're actually of
0: having the campaign launch for Jonathan Martin's opponent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Proya right here at Ollie's after this live session. So if you're watching us live and want to come down, Mm -hmm. come join and support Chris Proya and his run for Senate. Um, And yeah, actually just on in terms of, you know, what are we, who are we and what are we? Yes, absolutely. Every single thing that we say on these shows and any big mouth media show is the. Individual thoughts of the host and the person saying it. But mm. uh, we are not responsible for any of the the content on Big Mouth Media. It's the folks, the people yep. who are saying it, or the ones are responsible for it. And as well, you know, I myself have various um,
1: positions as
0: well. So I'm the president of the Democratic Women's Club of East Lee County. I'm the president of the Democratic Environmental Caucus of Lee County, and I am the state communications chair for the Democratic Environmental Caucus of Florida. Mm-hmm. And of course, all of my words here are my own and not representative of any of those official capacities as well.
1: Absolutely. I just wanted to get that out it's of the good. way before so I knew it.
0: Not, <laughs> now you know, I don't want this is this from. In the, in what we think, uh, and we are respectively a Democrat and a Republican, but we are not holding ourselves out as the official mouthpiece yeah. for anybody during this podcast.
1: So, and I think it's also... Important to know that with both of us, we have varying views of and opinions, and sometimes neither of us um, support what our parties are doing um, because we're both independent thinkers. And that's the great thing about this free free country. And we're going to be celebrating Independence Day on Tuesday, of course. That's right. Great thing about being independent is we have freedom of thought and freedom of, of opinion, and we don't always have to agree with our, our individual parties on every issue. And we and and as long as you know, we're fighting for the right things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, let's talk about that because there's actually a lot of things that uh, Democrats and Republicans want to fight about this week because uh, <laughs> the Supreme Court was uh, not something that Democrats were very excited about. So what do you think of the the recent rulings?
1: Well, I'm pretty much supportive of almost all of them. I will say um, I can understand the student loan relief ruling. I uh, I will openly admit that I support student loan relief for the sole reason that I have student loans and I would like relief from those student loans. So out of pure self-interest, I support it, but I, I can, when it comes to the student loan relief one, I think more broadly speaking, my issue is with the power of executive orders and how they've essentially been given the force of law. And whether it's a Democratic president or a Republican president, it's gotten too far and a lot of that has to do with Congress ceding its authority to the president and to different administrative and department heads, and so the president can use these executive orders and essentially use them as less legislation. But this is what I—that's where I see that issue with the student loan uh, relief—is it was based on the over-exercising ex- of the executive order as opposed to. Um, going through congress which is where it should be but of course congress won't pass it because of of the republican viewpoint and i understand the republican viewpoint you know it's not fair that i guess everyone who, who hasn't paid student loans why did they not get relief and there's a bunch of other statistics for that but again i'm going to be honest it benefits me i would like my student loans forgiven i support it so that's basically so, your self-interest. All
0: all right so let me talk a little bit about that one as well so Yes, the, so the Supreme Court re- overturned Joe Biden's $4 billion student do, uh, debt relief uh, act. It wasn't even a something that went through Congress. It mm-hmm. was part of an administrative act that through the Department of Education, he said these certain people, when they fill out this application, no longer have to be required to hold their loan. Mm-hmm. So I can... Understand uh, the argument because it is an executive order per se, in such that it's how the administration administers the loans themselves. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is that Congress itself has the power of purse. Mm-hmm. And how is the relationship between Congress not necessarily? making an expenditure okay but rolling back <laughs> this type of legislation so it was a little bit um <coughs> confusing for me and of course the dissenting justices agreed that this was more politics than than procedure and it was somewhat flimsy grounds that they were even working on that because they said in their ruling the majority said that this had to do with how if it had been more explicit mm. in legislation, it would have been okay. Yeah, But because it wasn't, and eh. it was a significant enough change, it wasn't mm. allowed. Now, what's interesting is what kind of future precedent this could have for other executive orders. Mm or if it will have any, or if this is just going to be a one-out shot in the dark. But de- basically speaking, uh, I just, the one thing that I hear all the time from Republicans when they talk about this is like, oh, it's fairness. Oh, I, you know, people got, you mm. know, shouldn't have, you know, they paid their loans back and they shouldn't, you know, some people shouldn't just get a free ride. Let mm. me say this as somebody who had student loans and paid them mm. off already, OK? Mm. Um, only because I was a super smarty pants and got scholarships for the rest of <laughs> education. Uh, but not here in the United States. But so I'm paid off. So I am in that, you know, one, you know, that, that percent of people that would yeah. not benefit from this. Um, I do think that we do need student loan amnesty. And this is because it will be an overall economic boom mm-hmm. for us, because then folks who have been stymied from buying homes and starting families and, you know, fixing up their apartments or whatever, yeah. will be able to make those expenditures. Okay. Yeah. So that is actually a very important thing in our consumer in that, and that, Yeah,
1: and that's economically proven with data and everything. So, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yep. So that's actually what government expenditures do is they, they are a boom mm-hmm. for our economy. The other things that I think about is, of course, you know, the PPP loans and how there were so many people who got PPP loans and they wanted, you know, they maybe didn't deserve them, you know, like Tom Brady or whatever, yeah. right? But here's the other thing. The, what I usually say is there are plenty of roads that are paid for that you will never travel. And Mm -hmm. that's the truth. There there are highways across this country that you will never drive on, but that actually benefit you, right? So you don't necessarily know how they're gonna benefit you because Mm. you're not following that logistics and supply chain. But you you may have ordered a product that came from California and had to be shipped over, right? Mm. So you may personally not be driving on that road, but you benefit from that. And same thing with education investments, right? You personally may not have taken that education, but chances are that your business or Mm -hmm. your employer is hiring and benefiting from people who got that education as well. And... Another thing that's a boon for the economy is an Mm. overall educated workforce, right? So the more educated our workforce is, the higher productivity, the more research and development we can have, and the bigger and stronger our more economy is. Mm. So again, any investment we make in education is good. And this fairness thing is totally crap because I don't qualify for all the the tax deductions. People without children don't qualify for Mm. child tax credits, and the the roads thing, all this kind of stuff. There's tons of things. Not every single thing that the government does is going to be a personal benefit to you yeah. and that is why it's the government and not your personal bank account
1: and, and there's and I guess there's a counter argument to that is is maybe the government shouldn't be you know you know having all of these different pockets of individuals that they fund but again you're absolutely right on the fact that there is an economic benefit for student loan forgiveness that has been researched and studied um, and then there's you know there's counter arguments to that as well but again um, for me, Right. it's it's a very simple calculation of self-interest and i think that is it's that's what really when you think about it a lot of people vote based on their self-interest and when they say they don't they're probably lying why do like they do but they know.
0: like they don't always because they don't understand how the government works yes. there's been a lot of this was like the whole thing in analyzing 2016 and people like vote quote unquote voting against their self-interest but it's only because most people vote on very kind of like relatively simplistic things like, yeah. like Do I like this candidate? Uh, Do I believe them? Or you know, do I like what they say? In reality, I
1: really think it's more people. It's not even people vote for people. It's people vote against other people. I think think
0: people vote against other people, but it's also identity, right? Yeah. And I think this is actually particularly true with Republicans, and Mm -hmm. there is there is data to bear that out. Okay. Yes. Yes. Republicans (laughs) hold Republicanism and conservatism as a part of their identity, and they vote as such. Right. So it's like they see things. So the reason that Donald Trump was so popular with folks is because they like him because he's strong man and they want to be like him because they want to be a rich man right and so that's why they're voting for all the other stuff which is kind of part of it most people aren't policy walks like us (laughs) that's right so cindy who's you right the Republicans are killing the Democrats on the three to five second uh, sound bits. Yes. Cindy, who's usually in our chat here, is in studio with us here. So she just said, "Yeah, you got three to five seconds to get people," mm-hmm. and yeah, so you got it. You got to be flashy, and you know the wonky yes. side of people knowing stuff is it like it's. It, I don't really think it comes into play it as much as people. I hope. Both, <laughs> well, it's not, it be it's said.
1: not entertaining because yes, we're, both of us are very wonky, and both of st- both of us understand policy, but most people don't. And because of that, you know, they they look for heuristics, they look for simplistic solutions, right? And that's what uh, you know Donald Trump offered uh, was was you know we need right. to build the wall, we need to um, you know do this, do that, and and he came from it again from and this is the issue with Donald Trump coming from the business standpoint. You know, when you're in business, you like basically make an order and it gets done. That's not the case in politics. That's how, yeah. And
0: that's how not government doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. Exactly.
1: All. And nor should it. the president right. should not have the ability to say, do this and, and basically dictate a law.
0: Right, yeah, because that's a yeah, dictator. That's
1: exactly what it's a dictator does. So so absolutely the and and especially in that regard we should not run government like a business. We should yeah. not. In in that particular case at least. In every case, because it's not a business. Anyway, yeah, okay. That's the other part <laughs>
0: other supreme court rulings that came out this week so there was also the gutting of the affirmative action by the conservative Mm. activist court and this is something that had actually been tried for quite a a few years it's by the same law firm that had brought the case previously they had been looking to try and overturn Affirmative action, essentially race, being used as Mm -hmm. one of the factors in decision making when um, colleges are accepting their applications. Previously, the plaintiff had been representing a white woman, and that was kind of like, but then they found Asian Americans Mm -hmm. as being a class of people that were uh, unintentionally harmed by Uh, affirmative action that particularly Mm. supported Latinos and African-Americans. And that came through actually. And so now it is no longer constitutional to use race as a component of consideration Mm. in admissions scoring. So the way that they actually weight it.
1: So I already thought this was illegal. I thought I could have sworn we had this Supreme court case a few years ago. No, it it didn't.
0: It was against the University of Michigan, which is
1: my rival school,
0: so I was
1: (laughs) Well, I I will say, I I do support this. I think that when we're taking it, and I understand the other side of the argument of this, where you've had um, uh, cultural and systemic roadblocks with with, uh, certain races and demographics throughout history um, that have prevented them from uh, gaining success. And that's what Affirmative Action is trying to do, is trying to even out that playing field. it it sounds nice and everything. And even though it's good intentioned, it is still by definition, not equal protection under the law. And so I would much prefer looking at the economic side of it, because again, with people with different races, um, you could have very successful black people. You can be have very Mm -hmm. unsuccessful or or relatively low income Asian Americans or white Americans. Mm -hmm. And so looking at it from an economic standpoint and then the individual history of that individual, Of that person without taking race into consideration Mm -hmm. is the best way to go. Um, Because we should be giving, you know, education should be accessible to people who don't have access to it. I believe. I think there's a better way to do it than just, oh, free college for everyone. But I think free
0: college for everyone. I'm sure you do. But
1: (laughs) But we should be. Yes, no, I. I Right. What
0: did we say last time? Mm. Workforce is part part of infrastructure, right? Anyway, And even Ron DeSantis has
1: has supported funding for workforce development. So I 100% agree. So um, because we need workers, we need skilled workers, very more importantly than just general workers. You know, we need skilled workers to do technology, cybersecurity, you know, all that type of stuff. And Mm -hmm.
0: administration management is the largest persistent opening in Southwest Florida.
1: And the, the other thing, tells us. and the other thing is, as well, is is you don't want individuals who, just because they don't have the economic access to get a good education, you're letting those people, like, not contribute to society. Maybe not the right word to use, but like they have so much talent and potential to do so much, but because... They're in a certain income situation or their a certain familial situation, right. they don't have that access. So we should absolutely increase access, but I don't think we need racial quotas in order to do that. I think there are other ways okay, – to- we don't have racial quotas. Or, racial quotas is a different thing. Okay. Or,
0: <laughs> All, or, and this, actually, let's explain this, what this is. So okay. Because people – people were starting to come after me because they don't actually understand how affirmative action works so because i responded to this based on what byron donalds had made a a statement on this his Mm -hmm. his statement actually had been repeated on cnn he himself is an african-american man and he was saying that oh there may have been a time when we needed this but you know we no longer you know need this there is no racial discrimination Mm -hmm. to which my response was when did Racial discrimination end because I know that he was a beneficiary of affirmative action. Mm. Now, how do I know that? Because it is a baked-in component in the administration process. Now, this is higher ed wonky stuff that I know because I've worked in higher ed for a decade. Mm. But this is this what this means is that when you put in your application, every university's got their like secret sauce of what they're looking for, right? Mm. And some will include socioeconomic status. Some will include race. Some will include, some don't though, Mm. by the way. Um, But public universities by and large do, including Florida State, which is where Byron Donalds went at the time in 2000, Two, I believe, is when he transferred to complete his degree at Florida State University. Okay, so I know that Florida State had an affirmative action policy, and he benefited from it. And it doesn't matter what his grade was, mm-hmm. even though I do know that he was having trouble with the law at the time. Just saying. So, um, but I know that it doesn't matter. So people are like, how do you know he didn't just get on a merit? I know that he didn't just get in on merit because affirmative action was baked into the system. Yeah. Okay. So it really doesn't matter, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's something that people had a hard time with right because there are lots of circumstances lots of things that go into the administration Mm -hmm. and admissions at a university okay yeah um ultimately though when i look at this you know this is something that's been on the the conservative like yeah bingo card for a (laughs) long time okay this is they keep trying actually not the the student loan forgiveness notwithstanding Mm -hmm. Both of the Supreme Court judge uh, cases that came out this week, mm-hmm. the the rulings were things that were on the conservative bingo card, right? Yeah, no. So they've been trying to upend uh, conser- uh, affirmative action for a long time, and then mm-hmm. the other one, the, the LGBT one. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. I have another thought to finish on this before I give it back to you. And that is that um, there is already systemic issues that we know exist in this country. It is demonstrable it is demonstrable that we have racial gaps okay mm. we have high school graduation gaps we have wealth gaps we have pay gaps we have housing ownership gaps on and on and on okay so race and racism and racial discrimination is not over okay mm. so this like long timey place where we need it and we don't need we don't need it anymore that is actually now okay mm. the other thing that is interesting about this i think is some of the case, the the points that the plaintiff in this case for the, uh, I think it was called the Students for Equity and Education or something along those lines, mm-hmm. they said that, and this is a, a fair point, that so, a very large portion of the black students at Ivy League schools in particular, something like 80%, are wealthy. Okay. Mm. So, and that, you know, it's probably quite different if they were pulling that from like all university students or public universities. But I think it's fair, like you said, to know that if you have just a solely race based calculation, then yes, you're going to maybe unfairly Mm. privilege already privileged people. Yeah. Okay. So that is something that I will see it and I think that that's a, a, a fair point. And I do think that socioeconomic status is really important when when we're talking about access because obviously yeah. somebody who is wealthy has a lot easier time of getting into yeah. college or paying for college than somebody who is yeah. not. Yeah.
1: So a, a rich black man will have a better better opportunity. I would I would imagine would have a better opportunity at a higher higher education like Harvard than a poor white man.
0: For sure. Yeah. And and yeah, so just they'll have Easier time to pay for it, easier time to get in. They probably had access to Mm. tutors, et cetera, beforehand. So I I agree with that. Now, the problem, of course, is that, yes, there is still a significant portion of people who will not have Uh access to it. And I personally, and you can see some of my social media posts about this, I know that socioeconomic status is often a way to soften the discussion on race, right? Because it's easier to say, oh, they're poor, they have character problems, and they don't deserve it
1: well yeah there, there are some okay. republicans who which is so ironic because <laughs> of what christ says about the poor and what the bible says about the mm-hmm. poor and it's very important because if you look at it you he, god is very clear that we are not supposed to mistreat the poor but there are sort of these um you know uber free market conservatives who think that if you're if you're not you know working if you're not being productive if you're poor it's because you're not working you're not being productive it's your own fault right. and it's this rugged individualism mentality and you know that that doesn't work you know you need bootstraps to pull yourself up from your bootstraps and if you don't have you them boots, you, yeah. yeah so exactly so so it's it's definitely one of the reasons why i left the libertarian party for sure because it's, it's mostly my, you know the libertarian wing of the republican party the irony being i'm more of a libertarian but yeah it's that side that tends to be like oh it means dear. you've been radicalized by coke that's all that means
0: anyway um we do have our friend isaiah carter thank you for joining us isaiah and he's pointing out that affirmative action is needed because we still do have racism and that there are people that who wouldn't otherwise get in that have grades and merit uh, and they wouldn't get the opportunity and i think that that is Fair to say, especially when you're looking at the total number of students hmm. that you get, um, have uh, benefited from affirmative action, uh, in the long run.
1: But then to counter that, then as you talk about people who do have the grades and merit to go to college, what he what it sounds like he's saying there is that, oh, so if he has the same grades as someone who's a white individual, or maybe, um, less than what they would he get the would he get the spot instead of a white individual or another individual? And that I think is is wrong. I think it, it, it is, we would need all of them to compete equally. If why we're doing do you it as think American? that
0: they're substituting one person for another? I don't,
1: I'm just giving an example. I don't well, know.
0: People say all the time, though. I, that's why I'm picking well, up Well, is it, it there? Because is, that's not how it works.
1: Okay, then explain Explain it then. Experiment. It's not how it works. Then how does it work?
0: So the way that it works is that there's a certain pool of people that apply, okay. right? And their applications are scored, okay? And mm-hmm. it's like, here's the cutoff. You're in you're deferred you're on a list or whatever okay. okay and so it's not like jim gets in but, but there's jenny like doesn't but
1: is there like a limited number of spots is it like how is it's is, all
0: determined by the university okay. and how they want to do it right so each cohort of students and here's the other thing so they'll have this like lit wait list right and as people you know when they have their class their cohort out there as people accept mm. they'll maybe pull people in from the deferred list mm. right so of the you know whatever how many number basically 40 or 50% of those people will accept because yeah. they may have gone to other universities. So this idea that it's a one for one or okay. that a white student isn't getting in because a black student is getting in is not true and to keep in mind that everybody is ultimately an individual Mm. and it's a it's a package it's Mm. you know and universities come up with their own formula so and and what they would do is race would be one of the components that they would put in to come up with like a score of whether or not they got in or not but it's up to your essay and your scores and your grade and your school
1: the race then yeah then in that case i definitely do not think race should be an aspect of the score I'm I'm sorry, it needs to be based on merit and other factors. It shouldn't be based on something demographical. Period. Oh that's, that's a that's a here's the thing.
0: So what's what Cindy's saying is about the legacy entries. And legacy, if you don't know, these are people whose families um have went to a university uh sometimes and they also you know you can get in on what's called like a legacy status if like you have a family member that works at the university um and also that includes athletes and um i saw a calculation on this and 43 percent of the white population at Harvard, for instance, was legacy. So there is actually even an additional bonus yeah. right that some people have that really actually totally negates any of the secret sauce that a university has in terms of their their calculations. I will say as a caveat to that, most universities don't function like the IVs, okay? There is no legacy to public universities. Yeah,
1: I don't know if there's, a, there's no legacy FGCU students. There's no legacy FGCU students. <laughs> Son, sons of big name FGCU students coming in. I'm a legacy.
0: So, but what's interesting is I can use, like, you know, FTCOs, I've been faculty there for 10 years. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they do in terms of how they have their applications, right? Um, and this is a decision that comes down from the board and then is given to the, the provost and the other folks in the university, right? Mm-hmm. And You remember Dunk City? Yes. Right? When they, we went to the NCAA Sweet 16 tournament, yep. the basketball team, it was really hype. Everybody was excited. Now, here's something. And just, you know, to prove like how many of our decisions are made on practically nothing. Every team that makes it to the Sweet 16 and the NCAA tournament sees a significant uptick in applications the following year mm. okay because everybody's like oh that place looks cool yeah. basketball whatever right um and then FGCU gets to throw in that they have a beach on campus too okay so
1: <laughs> and a nature and it's just, it's just it's a nature preserve essentially. it's a nature it's preserve yeah okay. if, you, if you've never uh, been to florida so Coast be
0: Coast kids from up to come down because they're like imagining beaches and anyway and they love it too so here's the thing so after the ncaa tournament uh dunk city had happened FGCU made a decision because they had such an influx. Mm. They, rather, they could have expanded the number of people that they had taken based on the current criteria, but they chose to instead change the criteria. So they admitted the same or slightly lower amount of people the following year but made it harder to get into. They actually changed the bottom grade requirements Mm. and some of the other score requirements that they had. But that was a decision that the university made, right? So I I, I say that to to illustrate an example of just actually how much control universities have of who they let in and how they let in, right? So somebody who got in to FGCU the year before they went to the NCAA tournament is a markedly... Less qualified student than the oh. the who got admitted in the year after the NCAA tournament 2016. So oh,
1: now are those Sorry, still, my friends, but well, I mean, I actually they permanently was, bumped it up. Uh, well, well, I mean, for me though, because I was uh, I graduated from a Florida community college, so we have automatic transfer and then I'm doing FGCU complete as well, so they're they're helping me. As well, I actually just finished summer a as well. We never said that. I never mentioned that. I, we screwed up one of my business management projects that brought me to a C. We ended up, so it was, we had to do a paper. Um, and then there was apparently another part of the project that our group did not realize. No, all five of us did not catch it. So we got a, we got a 40 out of a hundred and it dropped it dropped my, my, my 90, 90 to hundred percent score down to like a C, 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 like a mid C. And then. <laughs> so we do have a
0: question. Isaiah says, do you think that you will see fewer people of color in higher education? I
1: don't. I, I do. don't. I I don't because I think that educ well, it's possible, but I think that there's a lot of value, especially in minority communities about education that there, that it won't it won't be that much of an issue. And the people who are, who are in need of affirmative action would be the ones with economic struggles mm-hmm. anyway. And so they'll still, I- assuming those quotas go in, um, not quotas. quotas, you're right. Whatever word I should be using instead, you know, Co- whatever,
0: Specific number. you're right. You're
1: right. Okay. You're right. What I mean is, is that whatever conditions they're going to use in order to address socioeconomic, I think that will uh, close that gap. Um, you might see it for a number of reasons, other other than affirmative action, uh, action being eliminated. Uh, just because I do think that you're seeing with young people a distrust of higher education in general and trying to see alternative routes like trade schools. Um, I swear to God, if I hear somebody <laughs> talk about fucking trade schools, yeah. Why? What's your problem with trade okay.
0: schools? We have them. They're yeah, here. I know. People go to them all the fucking time. I know. And I just like it's I'm like not, it's yeah. the fucking panacea Republican answer to everything. <laughs> Oh, we need no, more trade schools. The fuck we need? No, 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 you're, you're
1: right. right. Here, if yeah.
0: Want,
1: want to go no, you're right. And Lee County, Lee County in particular, we have, we have, we have, a, we have a, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm not, no, I'm not saying that we need more trade schools. Let me be clear about that. Let's be clear about that. I think what you have, I'm,
0: I'm just like, I'm, we have, I'm getting to you because it's like, this is like, people say this all the time. Oh, we need more trade schools. This is sun Sinks, friend, friend. This is Coke Rattle it conversation. Okay. Because <laughs> if they say this all time. Oh, we need that. Okay. Well, which trade schools? Which ones? Well, Which ones are the industry needed? Which ones? Well, my problem. And I'll, and I'll, oh, because I did the research. But what do you think?
1: I, I would say health trade school here in Lee County. I would probably say health care instead.
0: It goes to trade school. by the way. Uh-huh. cna is go to trade school it's a six-week program and here's what's fun we actually graduate more than enough CNA's to fill all of the residual opening positions here in southwest florida year after year after year yet we have hundreds of openings why do you think that is
1: oh it's too high of a price to live here
0: nope because here's the thing it's not the pay oh she is okay that that's part of it You're, you're poking on the right bear. Cindy said it's the pay. Here's the thing. We actually have more than enough people graduating from trade school in particularly in the healthcare sciences around CNA and, um, a medical assistant. Okay. Mm. Here's what happens. They don't get hired why don't they get hired and here I'll I'll even throw it in because you said that people can't live here. The vast majority 90% of the people that go to trade school actually stay and continue to reside in their home area. Whereas people who go to uh, four year higher education institutions have a tendency Mm. to leave their areas. Okay, Mm. but technical school students stay right in their area. So assuming Mm. all of those students who graduated with CNAs graduated and stay here.
1: So why aren't they getting hired? Why aren't they getting? Hammered? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. That's what you. I
0: asked the HR at Lee Health, and they scratched their head. And I said, "You know,
1: That's I a- wonder
0: if it's something about your HR process when you're introduced to these candidates that might be latent that keeps you from wanting to hire these candidates."
1: As if there's a discrimination for tradeschool students.
0: No, no, no. It's a discrimination against black and brown, and poor. Yeah, because as they I've been told they do not quote present well, and they don't quote fit in with the culture
1: ooh uh-huh that <laughs> so, i again i'm not I don't know any confirmation and of that, so
0: mm. Mm-hmm. Cindy's talking about CEO bonuses. Yeah. So here's the thing. This is a conversation. So what I'm saying is is racism is real. Racism happens. hmm. It's demonstrable with data. And this is one of them. So people, like I said, I have done the research. I've done it here in Southwest Florida. I've done it for a very long time. I know the gaps that exist, Hmm. right? And people who say this, like it drives me bananas because it's actually not true. We have more than, we are graduating. We We can put... 150 more students through a year mm-hmm. and we still wouldn't solve that problem because the problem is not education
1: <laughs> i say it's not possible we don't have racism anymore right well no, I, I, no well, Isaiah, please, please go be, ahead
0: and call our friend byron donald's and let him know that. Yeah, no,
1: look, we'll be on it look obviously racism is still an issue i don't know he's
0: gonna call him too <laughs> Ooh, Cindy says she sent him 250 letters and he hasn't responded to one. <laughs> Ooh, Cindy's calling. My- All right. So good. I'm gonna say, Sean, can I have another uh
1: peach flower one? Because this is getting do- spicy.
0: I got another Dr. Pepper too. And another Dr. Pepper because it's hot in here. Okay, yeah, so but we had affirmative action. We had this student loan. And then we also had
1: 303 creative, which was uh, You're so the, kind.
0: <laughs> the Christian website lady who refused to make imaginary gay people, a website and a business that she didn't have.
1: Yeah. This, I, I will sorry. be honest. I did. When I actually looked at the context of the case, I thought it was kind of ridiculous. I was like, I want to do this, but I'm not going to do it until I, I, can. I can't because of the law. I think it's interesting. Um, I still, I mean, I still, think she would have standing. Like if you're concerned about succeeding in a business because of a certain law, I can, can completely understand trying to preemptively sue. But yeah, it is kind of it was kind of ridiculous when I read about it. Um I I did actually read um the opinion of that case. And what I found interesting is they're they're arguing it from this from a free speech stance. And I even right. yeah. So when you think about it, it again, like I, I'm it's well established that i am pro lgbtq plus more than most republicans um i am you know generally against homophobia and transphobia at the same time i do support our constitution and the freedom of speech and even though i don't agree with what she is saying or what she is not wanting to say rather Um, I don't think that the government has the ability to compel her to say or create something that goes against her personal beliefs. And so that's just my position on it. Do I agree with her personal beliefs? No. And she has even said that she apparently has LGBTQ clients that she just won't do a a wedding or a marriage website, which also, let's be clear, a wedding or a, a wedding itself is not a person. A wedding is an event. The, the same sex individual, the gay individuals, they're the individuals who are protected. So I, I don't see a wedding as a, a, you know, even though it's not something I would do, I don't see it as a form of discrimination, like, like, like she's not taking clients who are gay for everything, if that makes sense. You're you're rolling your eyes. Christian
0: here is going to get any gay clients. Oh,
1: no, she won't anymore, for sure. I don't think that's going to happen,
0: which is weird. So it's like this weird hypothetical thing, okay? So here's the other component the fun fact about this is Mm. that this case was tried by the same law firm against the same law in Colorado as the infamous. The
1: baker cakes.
0: Gay cake. Yeah, yeah, wedding cake (laughs) thing, right? And actually, they lost when they went to the Supreme Court. Because of the equal protection and under the law Mm. that says that you in that they can't deny people service, but because a website was deemed creative Mm. and artistic and that was a First Amendment case that they were able to win this time around Mm. so. Obviously, this, like I said, this is a, the conservative bingo yep. card that they've been trying to get through the judiciary for a long time. Okay, and it's the same firm that's being bankrolled to do the same thing to fight against the same law. Mm-hmm. And they learned after they got their ass head into them last time in 2018, and they said, "Oh, we got to do first First Amendment because we can't we can't win on these other grounds." So it's like it feels very disingenuous to me because this is not a serious person with a serious business or a serious infraction. Okay. And she just contrived this fake thing and this fake industry to fight against this law. And I, I, I kind of have a problem with the manipulation in the judicial system. I can
1: understand that. Yeah. Um, And And I've seen, you get a cases like this quite a bit where it's like, oh, you're trying to set up the case. You're trying to send it to the Supreme court Mother, and, you know,
0: well, there's only a, a very listen, let's be clear on this as well. And why I'm like poking you on the coke, you know, radicalization <laughs> is because this has been a long term investment of very wealthy people in this country oh, yeah. who have tried to pull as many people over to essentially the furthest extreme in the Republican Party in terms of it actually to embed radical uh, libertarianism uh, in the Republican Party. this is true okay listen Coke will <laughs> Coke will back me up I'm brainstorm this, right?
1: I'm brainwashed by Coke everyone as, as, as I drink my doctor
0: you are influenced by us and they've done this because back in the 60s they started investing into universities they started training law school students so that they could and those law school students mm-hmm. who came through this This belief system, which by the way, wasn't based in empirical evidence whatsoever, especially Mm. their economic system, they were trained, and those people are now being placed into judicial positions, okay, and are now on the Supreme Court. So we are talking about a long term strategy to shift legal interpretation of the law being invested in by wealthy investors including coke okay coke was one of the part but it's other folks you know you got dick uline club for growth they've all been putting a ton of money into it and now we're seeing the ramifications of it they also by the way fund the law firms who do this type of work yeah and by the way, scrappy people, Sovereign Poverty Law Center, ACLU, NAACP, they didn't, do not have nearly the level of coordination or the funding to do this kind of continuous litiga- litigation. The ACLU mm. can do litigation, but only against laws once they come into place mm. based on a certain set of uh, principles. It's not the case where they're trying to knock down a law and they just keep making shit up in order to fight it that's i've never seen that precedent on the left
1: no i have i mean i haven't seen anything in in that regard but
0: <laughs> but shit okay so here's what happened <laughs> just like isaiah's saying in here the um he's isaiah's saying that the decision has left the doors open for uh mass discrimination and this is actually what judge Ketanji brown jackson had said in her uh dissent piece Mm -hmm. is that this is the first time that has been deemed constitutional to discriminate against a protected class of citizens in the United States. And she was visibly pissed off (laughs) during the reading of the rulings um especially apparently there was kind of a a big tiff and things that were happening between her and clarence thomas who is the other african-american on the supreme court who sided Mm. with the majority
1: well unfortunately unfortunately with i'm sorry that
0: was during the affirmative action my (laughs) apology
1: oh okay well anyway again so when it with the affirmative action one that one I can understand. Yes, that would make that would make sense. That's a pretty contentious issue. Um, Again, the Constitution is very clear about freedom of speech and the First Amendment. Um, I don't think this is going to create as much of a slippery slope because, again, in that bakery bakery case issue, it it found in favor of equal protection under the law. So that reasonable accommodation is still there. But this creates now now the real question is going to be what is created? what is defined as freedom of speech and what is defined as art.
0: And the, the and how it's essentially uh, if it is it broadly applied or limitedly applied? Mm. And what types of laws can spring up into it? So like, okay, let's take for example, here, at Ollie's, right Ollie's has musicians that come in and play right now, what is the application if there's a band that's playing here, but they don't want any Trump supporters in here? What if we can, let's make it a protected class instead of just yeah. people who don't like, okay. Let's say that they don't want any um Christians in here.
1: See, what I happens then? I don't see. Because that's art, see, right? They're a band. But see, then, they're playing see, I music. think it is separate. Can thing.
0: they say, I do not want Christians to hmm. hear my music? Because so, that's against my beliefs.
1: So I, I would disagree with that because that's an audience. Uh, What we're talking about here in this case with 303 Creative is an individual who doesn't want to create a specific website. So the proper analogy would be if a band was up here and we were trying to force them to sing a Christian gospel hymn, they have a right to say no with that. Because what we're talking about is not the audience or the customer. It's what is being created. What is the product itself as opposed to the customer. But that's but that's not what this but that's not what the 303 creative case is talking about. And it's a genius
0: <laughs> the business, which is even more. No, funny. you're
1: right. So so I know. So this is the so I know what she's Cindy's talking saying. about. So Cindy is ta- and this is another horribly embarrassing thing. I thought it was so stupid. She had cited in her case a, a gay, uh, a supposed gay couple who was asking for a wedding and the individual was straight and had no idea what was going on. Married to a woman, married to a woman. And he was like, Yeah, I saw that on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Sydney's like, She lied.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Woo. So. It's yeah. It's it's very tough. Well, and that's I think what it comes down to is we're gonna have to see how it's applied, right? Yeah. If it's narrowly applied or broadly applied, or is it is is more a correct metaphor? Like if the owner, if the band doesn't want Christians, it, what's the owner's obligation? Or can the yeah. owner say we don't want that or whatever? You know what but I mean? But again, I don't it's even hard think... to say because we don't know. Yeah. how— and, and I don't think your
1: analogy be- is even. Again, I, I disagree with your analogy because because what it's talking you're about you're looking is at
0: consumers yep. instead of no you're looking. You're,
1: I think you're looking at the consumer as opposed to the product. The other creative is about the product that is being created. Yeah, it's the the website, the the creative art, if you will. So again, if a rock band was forced to sing a a Christian hymn, Oh Come All Ye Faithful, or something, that would be the analogy. Okay. But but in you know in theory. Um, you know, if a gay, like if a gay individual came in and said, I wanted to build a, a realty website in her case, she would be obligated to do that. But she would not be obligated to put on there things that she doesn't believe in since it's a creative art piece, according to her. Okay, this is... And a producer, and as and is absolutely right. A producer can refuse to produce a band music because it has pro-Christian lyrics. 100%. A producer will have the the right as a business owner. And this is something... Um, I want to go off on a bit of a tangent here because we had a, a an incident at, at our local party, and I won't go into too much detail because it's private, but one of the things that was discussed is how the Lee County GOP and our individual parties, your Democratic Party as well, are technically private organizations, mm-hmm. and so we can set our own rules, and so if you're disruptive, um, you can't claim freedom of speech like maybe you might be doing already in our party. You know, if you're being disruptive, the party has the right to kick you out. Type of situation. And these, it's the same with other private organizations. Now, a lot of us Coke, uh, Coke influenced uh, Republicans.
0: I'm glad you're (laughs) owning this. I'm,
1: you know, because I was like thinking to myself, can I really dispute this when I was working for the Americas for Prosperity? Can I actually? But no, we can't. (laughs) You have photos of me with the shirts and everything, so I can't, I can't argue against it since the evidence is there. But so I'll own it. I'll own it for sure. There you go. I am definitely a radical libertarian. I'm actually not that radical. I'm much more, more, more you moderate.
0: Radicalized.
1: Libra- <clears throat> okay, sure, whatever. I'm radicalized, but yeah, I am. A, I'm a libertarian for sure. And when it comes, to, I forgot what we were talking about. You were so,
0: talking about how the parties are private organizations. Yeah. So make their own rules. And, and
1: again, it's yes. Yeah, so that was we're talking about. It's the same for um, business owners like, like Ollie, Sean and Ollie's pub and you have to provide reasonable, you know, accommodate as a public accommodations, you can't discriminate about people coming in. Um, but again, you can't, Ollie can't force a musician to play something, but at the same time, he doesn't have to have, or Sean rather, who owns Ollie's, he doesn't have to have a band that, that plays something that he doesn't like. So if, you know, some Christian band or one comes in and is like, oh, "I don't want to have that play here." He has every right to say no. So, not that, that we
0: would. That was like a hypothetical. No, yeah, no,
1: that's guys. a hypothetical. <laughs> Sean, let's be clear. Sean, I, I mean, I don't know what his stances are on Christianity, but I'm sure he wouldn't be super offended it's if a, Christian. Everyone's
0: right. welcome here. Everyone right.
1: is welcome here. That's absolutely right. So yes, as long as you're not like a bigot, I think is the only rule. Right. 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 Sean, no bigots. Okay, no, no bigots. bigots. Just don't be a bigot. Uh, i think that's very simple i think even republicans cannot be bigots i think it's very easy for us not to be bigots.
0: it would be very easy for them to not be bigots but you know we look. We look it at, would be super easy for them to not do that
1: we are <laughs> at the end of the day we, i mean we talk about this a lot as republicans we're americans and
0: we are and it, you know
1: we're such a we are a diverse independence co- day. yeah independence day, happy,
0: yeah happy birthday america and, we think,
1: and i know we're both are tired and we have a our event coming up after this at six. Cheers cheers to a bunch of protesters
0: (laughs) destroying property that started this country. Yes.
1: That's 100% true. That is that is, is something is, that makes me laugh about.
0: Also, my favorite thing yeah. to say at a Republican. We, <laughs>
1: we, we, we are a country that was built off of rebellion and revolutions. It's not a very
0: important thing. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, just to wrap up. So, we did want to get into the, um, because it was July 1st. Yeah. And so, all of the laws that were passed by the Florida legislature uh, went into effect. We'll dive into that next week because there's a ton of them, a over lot. 200 laws that went into effect. Everything from the six week abortion ban to the permitless carry to the immigration which uh, is getting a heck of a lot of pushback yeah. right now. So
1: So we're going to yeah, we're definitely going to discuss that we haven't read through all of them and there is quite a bit and we um we are both uh, we were both came in pretty tired. Uh, we've both had a very busy week and then we're having of course uh, uh, colleagues is having Chris Chris Proyas campaign event right and uh, about 40, 45 minutes. Yeah, there's still time
0: uh, for you to come down and, and join Chris Croyas and launch
1: for. And it's going to be a comedy show or something, too. Yes, right? and there's a comedy show coming. So that sounds pretty cool. Um, I am not endorsing. Chris, I have to say that publicly as well, but you know, you know, and I'm friends with John and I'm friends with Chris. I have I have good relations with a lot of people. But we always
0: a- agree that people should be participating in our democracy. Exactly, that yes. Means for office, that means getting involved with your party, that means uh, becoming aware of the issues, yeah. becoming aware of what's coming down from the Supreme Court, who's running for president, what's going on. Uh, we always appreciate that, and hmm. when everything's above the board, I think we can agree that it's, uh, it's very important to stay active. And
1: in regards to that, I actually want to say one more thing, both for Republicans and Democrats, definitely look into joining your local parties, Um, whether it's the REC, DEC, or if you're out of state, they have different versions of that as well. That is a wonderful way to ensure that you're involved and get connected to the people who are in power, the elected officials, the people around you. Yeah. So it's a very it's, it's how I got started. It's how I got all the connections that I was able to get was just starting out as a as a little grunt worker 10 years ago with the Republican Executive Committee working on campaigns. And that's how I met people. That's how I rose up. And you'll be so sur- you'll be surprised. And how how quickly you can get a great network of people, and especially if you have very good ideas within your party, they could. probably, And especially if you're like a Democrat down here, I'm sure they'll ask you to run. <laughs> <laughs> Republicans, not so much. Republicans, we we, we have our set people who, um, you know, people will who've run, been, and you know, who've been groomed. Gro- <laughs> They've
0: been well, groomed. that's what
1: I'm kind of hoping with this communications chair thing. Maybe I'm next in line.
0: <laughs> Listen, they groomed Jenna for ten years. Okay, uh, before yeah, just, she was ready really ready yeah. anyway um speaking of groomers so <laughs> but i would say if you're that was good I'm if, sorry that was good if you're a democrat there's you actually there's a ton of different options if you're a democrat because uh we can't agree on anything so there's the environmental caucus and the women's <laughs> club and hispanic caucus and lgbt caucus and uh, the Black Caucus and the Disability Caucus and the Education Caucus and the Veterans just... Caucus. And <laughs> so there's a there's a place for you, uh, no matter what your issue is, yep. if you want to get involved in Democratic politics across the state of Florida.
1: Okay.
0: Yes, <laughs> and, uh, and and we'll say it doesn't matter what Rick Scott says. Democrats belong in Florida, yeah. just the same as anybody else.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, yes, I'm, I'm not I don't. Oppose. I don't support taking Democrats out. I support speaking with that them. Whole thing with yeah, we Ziegler had a, we had too. a whole di- we had a whole discussion about this before. But, watch yeah. the uh,
0: the episode of about Christian Ziegler's statement about oh, destroying <laughs> the Democrats. Yeah, go back and watch that one. Anyway, um, so thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Isaiah, for your for your love and flowers today. I appreciate that. Uh, thanks for joining us here. Be sure to tune in and subscribe to all of our amazing shows here at Big Mouth Media. You can subscribe to this show. You'll get copies of the video and podcast directly to your email each week. 4 dollars a month helps support independent media, $49.99 a year. We can also check out all of the amazing shows. You can get the everything package for $19.99 a month go to big mouth media at bigmouthmediafl.com and get your subscription today and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Spotify you name it. we're there and mm. follow us on social media. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time bye bye.